we are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show uh, and happy Thanksgiving week. I'm Liz Dolan here in Santa Monica, California with my two sisters, Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. How's everything down there? Very exciting. I love Thanksgiving week. You know, there's a lot of pre-production going on in my house right now for the big meal and uh, things are looking good, Liz. <laughs> and Leanne, how about you? I know you're transforming your kitchen, which might conflict with some of your normal Thanksgiving plans. You know what? We are moving forward because there's no stopping me, Liz. When it comes to root vegetables, I'm all over it. You can't stop me. <laughs> I can't. It is physically. You won't be, I, you won't be put down. I know that, Leanne. You're like Demelza in Poland darkly and you would find a way to cook those root vegetables i just i can't conceive of a thanksgiving that does not involve too much food you know so trying to do a simple thanksgiving it doesn't work for me uh you know we have a great show today we're excited this is a great thanksgiving week listen when you're going to be in the kitchen cooking or baking or uh cleaning which is what i often do uh thanksgiving week we are talking to Gretchen Rubin, who is the host of the Happier podcast. Um, but Liz, her new book, The Four Tendencies, is terrific. Gave us a lot of material to work with, didn't it? A lot of material. Yes, Gretchen is coming up. She's super fun to talk to. All right. And then, Julie, you have good news for families who plan on wrangling through the week of Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. Good-natured quarreling. That's what we're all going to take up, Leanne, because that's what the experts are saying. That if we really want our children to be creative, we need more fighting, more fighting, okay? I, I am excited to hear about this because I firmly believe in that. I So <laughs> I believe in it. Uh, as a creative person, I believe in it. As a parent, I'm not looking forward to it. Um, all right. Also, uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Friendsgiving, that trend. But I have, I, I have a concern. Parade Magazine, I have a concern with some of the information you gave out. Liz, we have a Satellite Sisters special event coming up in December here in Los Angeles. But even if you're not in L.A., you can participate a little bit, right? Yeah, this is the first time we've ever tried this, Leanne. We have a longtime Satellite Sister who produced a movie called Bombshell, uh, which we want to tell you all about. And we're going to have a little like screening party here in L.A., but we also want you to support the movie everywhere. So more on that later in the show. And uh, we're going to give you the latest on the Satellite Sister shop. If you haven't tried it yet, this Black Friday is a good day for that. And also Facebook, we want you to get involved. So we're going to tell you uh, what we want what we want to see over Thanksgiving on the Facebook group page. If you haven't joined, you can just go ahead and ask us. We've had a real Russian membership lately. It's good. I like it. We have. Like it's it. exciting. Yeah, I like it. All right. Um, first, though, Friendsgiving. Now, Liz and Julie, have you heard of this trend about people yes, yes. getting together? So- Sure. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think I'm it seems sure. it seems goodly. And do you have a problem with friends giving? No, no, I have no problem with it. I like that's why I was drawn to this article at Parade.com about ten <laughs> things you need for for friends giving because the idea of friends giving is that you celebrate with your friends and you eat the food you want to eat. So it eliminates the family drama and it eliminates sort of you know, my root vegetable issue. You can just bring whatever you want to Friendsgiving. And it doesn't even need to be on Thanksgiving. In fact, according to Parade.com, the most popular day to host it is like two weeks before Thanksgiving, which doesn't really make sense to me. But okay, Parade.com. That's fine. And well, I mean, I then it doesn't interfere. Out. It doesn't interfere with holiday plans. Yeah. But you know, it may mean that kids are around, come home for college or something like that. I can see that, Leanne. All right, you get I, in the holiday spirit. Okay. okay. All right. I mean, I guess to me, if it's too far away from Thanksgiving, it's just dinner with your friends. But all right. I mean, 
you know. No, Leon, because we start celebrating Halloween, as you know, September first. <laughs> so, so of course we start celebrating Thanksgiving, like the moment you know Halloween shuts down on the thirty first. So there, there's you have a whole month there. Okay. All right. So I go through the slideshow and it's basically, they're trying to get you to buy products. So I totally got sucked into the slideshow, like coasters. Well, yeah, of course you need coasters for Thanksgiving or Friendsgiving. That doesn't seem like a giant idea, coasters and candles. But then they had a suggested menu item. And this is what I want to discuss with you. We all grew up in Connecticut together in the same house. They said one of the top trends for side dishes in New England is something called American chop suey. Okay, maybe I've lived in California too long, but that just sounds like really bad cultural appropriation. But all right, fine. Uh, but then I what's, was like... What's in American chop suey? Exactly, what, what are... Julie. So I looked it up, and it is basically macaroni and cheese with ground beef in it and tomato sauce. I was like, did we eat that and call it that growing up? This you is know my, what, Leanne? Yeah. I think it was the kind of thing. Yes, it existed in our world. Maybe yeah. you're too young. Julie, do you remember it? But yeah, it, it's Hamburger Helper, Leanne. It is. That's it's what Hamburger it is. Helper. Like, but we would never have had anything called American chop suey in our house. But at school, they did serve that, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Not that not that our mom ever let us get hot lunch, which is no. still a source of much. No, we had cold peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah. Terrible yeah. lunches. Terrible. But if you were if you were getting the school lunch at like Timothy Dwight Elementary School, I guarantee you've had that American chop suey. Yeah, I but just, it's I mean it's hamburger helper. I did, that doesn't seem very festive no, for a friend. <laughs> It's all wrong for Friendsgiving, especially from New England. Everything about it struck me as like, of all the side dishes in all the world, this is what friends are getting together eating. I just didn't understand it. So just shouting out to New Englanders. Maybe someone knows the derivation of this. I I thought it was going to be some sort of fake Chinese thing. So that's why I was like, it's macaroni and cheese with hamburger. It just struck me as funny, but they're... At every major food site, there was a recipe for, you know, an updated American American chop suey. So I just, I know someone knows this. We have very smart people who listen to Satellite Sisters. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but 6% of our listenership, according to a recent survey, has PhDs. So (laughs) 6%. I mean, that's, that's that is impressive. It's like no cranberries in the New England entry, Leanne. I, I, I can't, that's, that's Julie, I can't explain it. So okay. if someone knows the derivation of this and then I would be interested. And if anyone can verify, oh, yeah, that's what we served at Friendsgiving. Please get, put it on the Facebook group page. Put it on the Facebook group. Okay. All right. So now we need to do a little prep for our guest, Gretchen Rubin. Okay. Everybody knows Gretchen. She's the author of great best-selling books like The Happiness Project and Better Than Before. And she's also the host of the podcast Happier with her sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And so I, for one, enjoy listening to that show a lot. And I recently bumped into both of the sisters from Happier at brunch at Oprah's house because Gretchen is featured in Oprah's new book. You know, so Gretchen's totally got it going on. Anyway, so her new book, Gretchen's new book, which is already on the bestseller list, is entitled The Four Tendencies, The Indispensable Personality Profiles That Reveal How to Make Your Life Better 
and other people's lives better too. So when we talk to Gretchen in a few minutes, we're going to tell you which tendency each of us are. You can start guessing at home. I think it's an interesting game. But basically, she breaks people into four different types based on how they manage inner and outer expectations. And her four types are upholder. An upholder meets outer expectations and meets inner expectations. An obliger is great with the outer expectations, but really resists inner expectations. A rebel resists the outer, resists the inner, forget it, no way, don't tell me what to do. And the questioner resists outer expectations and meets inner expectations. So those are the four types. And before you listen to the Gretchen interview, actually, if you want, if you haven't taken the quiz yet, it's super easy to do. Go to her website, which is happiercast.com, and just search on Take the Quiz. Or you can go to GretchenRubin.com, same thing, Take the Quiz. So then you'll know what type you are when we talk to her uh, in a little bit. So I was I was fascinated by this. And as I read through the book, it's interesting how helpful it is and things that you don't that I didn't expect, like how if you're a doctor and you're trying to give medical advice to someone who is one of the four tendencies, how you would couch your direction differently based on knowing what type of person that is. Didn't you think that was interesting? I thought all of the ancillary advice like that was helpful. Like if you're raising a rebel child, if you're married to an obliger, right, she had a whole category for healthcare professionals and things like that. And then also she discussed how to deal with so some a certain tendency in the workplace. I found that that is very deep. That was very practical, helpful knowledge. Uh, Julie and I are both married. The whole spouse section was really helpful, I thought. <laughs> or was. not. It might be too late. <laughs> I think that's true. That's true. But, but yeah. Um, but it is, I mean, it does underscore, you know, that people are different. They respond to different, differently to, uh, to the same stimuli or the same, you know, directives and really understanding what makes people tick, you know, can make, can make things go better for, for all of us. Right. Yeah. And it also potentially helps you understand yourself. So your own frustrations with, with your own behavior, if you just know like, okay, well, this is the way I naturally react to things. You're not as hard on yourself. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Yeah, I mean, a little self-awareness goes a long way, I think. I, I found all the information super helpful. I really enjoyed the book. And and on the podcast, when Gretchen talks about it, she talks about it with such authority, you know, and unhappy. Or she really, she really deeply understands and wants people to move through their lives smoothly, you know, and be happier. <laughs> so, okay. so that's kind of her motivation, which I enjoy a lot. Yeah, she seems like someone who just gets fascinated by a specific topic and then goes really deep into it. And she, on Happier, she talks about that a lot. She just becomes obsessed with something. And so this is something that just dawned on her. I heard her tell the story of how she just realized that people would fall into natural categories based on how they deal with expectations. And that's when she started doing all the research. But some of the little known things about Gretchen did you know that she was originally a lawyer and she was a clerk for Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor? Oh, That's it. Sort of doesn't surprise me. Uh, yeah. That, right. She, yeah. She, yeah. She, she seems she's really smart. Yeah. And thorough. Yeah. Yes. And how thorough. awesome to have that on your resume. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but for but God's what sake, what an interesting career switch to yeah. go from being a Supreme Court clerk to just deciding you wanted to be a writer. I yeah. think that, that doesn't happen all that often. So it really her story is really unusual. 
So we are going to be speaking to Gretchen when we get back. But first, we're going to have a word from our sponsors. Stay tuned. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. Thanks, sponsors, for supporting Satellite Sisters. And thanks, Satellite Sisters, for supporting the people who support us. Hello. Hey, Gretchen. It's Liz, Leon, and Julie Dolan. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad to be talking to you guys today. Well, you know, and in the true Dolan fashion, Gretchen, we did call you three minutes early. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, and I'm ready. So there we go. So, Gretchen, we've been studying the four tendencies, and uh, I know I sent you some of the info ahead of time about that each of us did land in a different category. I don't think anyone who's ever listened to our show is surprised to know (laughs) that we are all, we are each a different tendency. So we thought we'd start by just going one by one. You can tell us a little bit about what we should know about ourselves. So I'll go first. This is Liz. I was a rebel. I am a rebel. And I got to say, at first, I was a little bit surprised because I figured I could be really anything but what's the one who does everything well? The upholder? (laughs) I figured figured there's no way I was going to be an upholder, but I could have come out in any of the other three categories. But then once I and then I thought, am I really a rebel? Because that seems like, you know, a little more off the beaten path than I've gotten. But then I actually thought about my life and I decided you are correct, Gretchen Rubin. I am a rebel. Damn it. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, it's true that sometimes rebels are attracted to large corporations with a lot of rules or like the police, the military, the clergy. Some rebels do better when they're, there's like something to push against. Yeah. Um, yeah. They feel like they might stall out if they're just sort of on their own, but they thrive if they're in an environment where people are trying to tell them what to do. And they're like, no, I've got a better way to do it. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. I also uh, feel like I have chosen, particularly during all those years I was at Nike, I chose a company that is by its own personality, a rebel. So maybe that's why I fit there so well. That right. was one of my theories, Gretch. Well, and I think that that's with all the tendencies, like in some contexts, it's a strength and in some contexts, it's a weakness. And so part of like knowing your tendency and how to make the most of it is thinking like, okay, well, I'm a questioner and I'm applying for a job where it's clearly really important to do what corporate says and follow along and not challenge people very much. Well, that's probably not going to be a great fit for me because it's going to drive me crazy. You know, so when you know, you're like, oh, this is a company where the rebel spirit is admired and rewarded. Well, that's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And one last thing where I knew you were really right is when I realized anytime on Facebook, there's a plea where people say, could everyone please post this because of this? <laughs> In my whole life, Gretchen, I have never done that. There is, I just, there's, that's when I automatically go in the other direction. So that's kind of a clue, isn't it? Yeah. Well, somebody said to me as a rebel, when they see this signs, like, thank you for not speeding. It's like, I want to speed because I don't want you to think that I'm doing what you're telling me to do. Um, yeah, no. So I think, well, and that's a good example of how people, if you don't know about the four tendencies, you can accidentally make, you can communicate in a way that's going to really not resonate with, with a tendency without meaning to. Like you yeah. think, oh, this is just an innocuous way to put it. And it's like, no, 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 that's really pushing somebody's buttons. Exactly. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Up next. Right. 
Gretchen, this is Julie, um, and I'm an obliger, and I'm not, I wasn't the least bit surprised. <laughs> I loved Weight Watchers. I was very uh, successful at Weight Watchers. I play on team sports, not individual sports. I like to go to team practice. I like exercise classes. Uh, yeah. I like book clubs, yep. you know, because it makes <laughs> me read the book, okay? I just said that I am constantly setting up external controls to keep me, keep me in a lane there. Um, but I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, you know, <laughs> there I, you go, Jill. I, know yeah. it, I mean, I know that's, I, I know that's my weakness. So I set it up that way. And so it's not frustrating to me. It's, it's kind of, uh, liberating. No. And, and that's the thing about obliger is that in a way, well, first of all, they're the rock of the world. Cause they're the biggest tendency. Like you either are an obliger, you know, a lot of obligers or, you know, and, um, I got to pick it, up the slack for the rebel in my, in the family. God, don't tell her that Gretchen. It's, it's there, yeah. We have but this the debate thing, all the time. Really? And what, like, how does it come up? The con the, the question is always, who's the glue? That's what we say. Who's the glue? <laughs> who's keeping uh, it all? Who's keeping it uh, all together? interesting and see we all think we're the glue (laughs) there you go yeah well you're all you're all doing it in your own way but but the thing about the but the obliger is it sounds like you've done what a lot a lot of obligers have done which is they sort of even sort of even un uh sort of intuitively figured out well i need outer accountability in order to meet these expectations so how do i build it in and then just figuring it out and 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 that's right once you have that outer accountability you can do anything you want so you end up having the life that you want, but some obligers haven't figured that out or they, they keep thinking like, I shouldn't have to depend on, why do I have to keep paying and going to Weight Watchers? I know how it works. Why can't I just do it on my own? Or Oh, you can't. You know, Forget that. Yeah, yeah I can't even do people, the online one. No, I need to go. Some tendencies can. And yeah. so again, it's like, do you need it or do you not need it? Because maybe you don't need it, in which case you don't need outer accountability. Some people think they need outer accountability and they don't, so they don't have to fuss with it. And then some people, it's really important. Um, but some, but some people just really beat themselves up for thinking like, oh, I should have all this inner motivation. I'm like, who cares? Like, just plug it in. It's easy to plug it in, and then you'll get where you want. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. That Julie, that's a relief for you because her second favorite thing is besides joining stuff is saying I'm sorry. So no one cares, <laughs> Julie. Just stop saying I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling bad about that. All right, Gretchen, this is Leanne. I'm the youngest sister, and I know later we're going to ask you about birth order uh, and uh, how they reflect in the tendencies. But I just thought I'd throw that in. Youngest sister, youngest in a family of eight, and I am a questioner. And uh, there is nothing I hate more than hearing the phrase, well, this is the way we've always done it. Like, I just think those are the stupidest words in the English language. Really? You can't just rethink this? Is it going to kill you? Uh, So, and I knew for sure I was a questioner when I heard you on your podcast, uh, Happier. I think you were even doing an ad and you mentioned about how much questioners hate waiting in line. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, what? that's Leanne. It's I, I don't one person in line. I'm like, I'm out. I can't stand this. <laughs> yeah, it's this funny thing about questioners. Like they often talk about like I have a friend who's like, I can't even read while I'm writing waiting for the subway because I'm just so agitated. Or like I'm waiting in a restaurant line. It just makes me crazy. Makes um, me crazy. Why is that? What's what's wrong with me? 
You know, it's just, it's funny. It's one of the, I think partly is that a lot of times when there's waiting, there's like more efficient ways that things could be set up. So that's part of what drives quest centers crazy. But it's also just like a weird pattern that I've picked up. And 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 just because I've heard from so many people about the four tendencies, there are just like these weird things that I don't really, I can't really explain, but right. sort of anecdata. Like one thing about rebels, rebel, people with rebel children are, seem to be very, close to their grandparents. This is something people often remark on is how close rebel children are to grandparents. And this is, and you can sort of imagine why that might be, but it's an interesting pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, or like questioners often have a lot of trouble with traffic regulations. Do you, do you find yourself <laughs> yeah, objecting be, to traffic that, regulations a lot? It's, it's me. I'm it's me. Yes. I just not relaxed drive with Leanne that she's got, she has some issues when she gets out on the road. Yeah. I'm competent though. I'm a competent driver. I just don't enjoy traffic i don't enjoy it right well the thing is for a lot of questioners it's like well it's arbitrary like i'm a really good driver i should be able to go faster you're a bad driver you should have to go slower or why do we have this rule like some a questioner said to me oh i got a ticket for parking on the wrong side of the street and i feel that that doesn't further vehicular safety so i refuse to pay i was like <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah let's see how that flies yeah add it it's like you, I can't possibly follow this if I feel like it's just this arbitrary dumb rule. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say on my behalf, though, I don't feel like I ask a lot of outward questions. When I was reading The Four Tendencies, I'm like, oh, wow, do I am I super obnoxious about it? I feel like I do, do research a lot. Like you said, we're looking for information. We like to have all the facts. And I feel like I question myself more than anything. Like I go home, I do the research, and then I go, okay, I'm just not going to do that. So I, I, I try not to be obnoxious. I just want that to be stated publicly. You're, you're not, Leanne. I wouldn't say yeah. you're, you know, you're like, oh, you don't ask 20 questions no, I don't. in every conversation. I no. don't. But that means, it usually means because I've said I'm just not doing what you're going to ask me to do. Well, see, that's the thing, right? That's the, but see, that's what's important for other people to know. It's like if the questioner isn't convinced that something makes sense, they're just not going to get with the program. And they might make that clear or they might just quietly not do it. And it's like either way. Um question. Yeah, Leah, Leah, you were the you were the inventor of the boycott of one. Yes. Right, where <laughs> you're just secretly boycotting all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even know that. Yeah. It's like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. There, it's very it's satisfying like, though. I mean, just it's like, very satisfying. Team, in a team, if somebody's just like, well, you know, I don't really think we should update to this new software program, so I'm just not going to use it. Like, that could become a problem. Like, you need to know when people are um, resisting because they think that, think, think things don't make sense. And also, it's good for everybody because it's like, if, I, if we're on a team and you're like, why are we doing this by Friday? It's like, why are we doing this by Friday? Why are we doing this at all? It's, it's good for all of us. But sometimes people do get drained by all the questioners' questions. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, now Gretchen, that I'm aware. Well, so now you know the three of us, rebel, obliger, questioner. And uh, I'm in a folder, so we have all four in this conversation. Yeah. So that's good. So yeah. what recommendations do you have for us about how we should be working together? Forget about this sisterhood thing. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But just as co-workers, co-creators of Satellite Sisters, what, what do we need to be aware of? Well, to start with the rebel, like one of the things that typically doesn't work with rebels is like, you have to do this. You said you would do this. They're telling us we have to do it this way because the rebel's like, well, we can, why do we have to do it? We can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And so it's like when, whenever I'm communicating with a rebel, I'm always like, well, this is what, isn't this what you want? Or this sounds fun, 
this would be a cool challenge. Um, <laughs> you know, we can do it this way. Or, or if we don't do it this way, we're going to have these consequences. That works with Rebels. Information, consequences, choice. Like, if we get it done by Friday, then we can have the weekend off. But if we don't get it done by Friday, we're going to have to deal with a lot of emails explaining when it's going to be done. And, you know, it's like, who wants to deal with that? And it's like, yeah, let's just get it done. Um, but, like, reminding you said you would or you have to, that makes us sometimes makes Rebels resist. Okay. Um, with questioners, again, it's like all about those, like, why are we doing this? If you're asking me to do something, why are you asking me to do it? Um, even, even something as, as simple as like, can you get it to me by Friday? Because I have a flight on Saturday and that would be a great chance for me to look at it. It's like, oh, I see why you're asking me on Friday. Cause maybe you're not going to look at this until Monday. So why do I have to get it to you by Friday? Like explain to me why Friday? Cause otherwise that just seems arbitrary. With the obliger, it's really about those outer expectations. Like, what what is the expectation? Not like, oh, when you get a chance, could you do this for us? It's like, we need this bot. Can you do this in two weeks? Or we're waiting for this. Um, uh, okay, obliger- that works. <laughs> that works. <Yeah. laughs> um, yeah. But what's funny is sometimes, like, upholders and questioners will resist giving outer expectations to obligers. Like, they'll say, like, I've often heard of questioners saying to an obliger, like, the questioner, the obliger will say to the questioner, uh, like, let's say in a marriage, the obliger will say, ask me every day if I went to the gym, that would help me because I want I want you to check check in with me. And the questioner's like, I don't want to be your babysitter. Go if you want to go or don't go. Like, I don't care, but I don't want to check up on you. It's like, but I, I want you to check up on you. saying that. I can I can imagine that in Leon's voice. <laughs> <laughs> I would if Julie wanted me to check in on her every day, I totally would. I would think it was I know, a stupid like, idea, but I would do it. <laughs> I know. You'd be nice. You'd be nice to me. But the thing I is, it's you work. Would. It's work to be an accountability partner. And sometimes people don't want that work. You right. know, like, to remember you do that every day? That's kind of, that's a burden. Yeah. Like, so sometimes I think people want people to be accountability partners. And then, and it, but it, it's like, they're not, but they, somebody has to accept that responsibility because it's, it's a very important responsibility. But Gretchen, I'm not that needy. I mean, I know that if I, you know, like if I wanted to like, exercise every day. I'd set up my own system so that I would exercise every day. I would not be such a needy, you know, person that I would have to like call my sister and say, you know, Hey, just check in on me every day. Ask me how many steps I walked today. I would never do that. Right. Leanne? Well, never. Well, I, would I do don't it think it's about, I don't think it's about neediness. I just think it's about picking a form of outer accountability. And you're okay. right. Some forms of outer accountability are, are more impersonal or, or yeah. like I'm paying to go to this class. So of course this person is going to expect, is going to like, I know that this person's going to expect me to come and it's going to charge me. And that's a form of outer accountability. Okay. Um, but, but, but I think sometimes people like kind of oh, put like a lot of emotional overlay on it. Like mm-hmm. it's wrong for me to ask this. It's like, well, maybe that's not a good method of accountability. Maybe this this isn't something that the other person wants to participate in. That's fine. It, it, it might have worked with a different relationship. This isn't working. So let's just find something else for you. It doesn't reflect poorly on you that you need it in some form or that you've tried some form that didn't work. Okay, is, let's talk about spouses because Leanne and Julie, I know you both had questions about your relationship with your spouse. So Leanne, you go first. All right, so I'm married to an upholder, which is okay. just... It makes me crazy, you know. Okay, well, this is interesting because I'm a I'm an upholder married to a questioner. I know. So, I liked all this from the questioner perspective. Okay, what makes yeah? I liked all the stories in the book about it. I was like, <laughs> oh, it's the same deal. And it's just like you just can't break through. Like they get everything done. 
it's all done well, it's complete, <laughs> you know, if there's a if there's a choice between sitting on the couch and doing yard work, they do the yard work. It just <laughs> makes me crazy. I'd like to think it makes me a better person though. Uh, is it is is what can he learn from me, Gretchen? I feel well, like I think- I think it's really, as an upholder myself, um, I think it's really helpful to be married to a questioner because one of the dangers of an uphol- being an upholder is that you too readily meet expectations. Because like, like you say, upholders are pretty good at meeting outer and inner expectations. And so it's like, but, but sometimes it's like, why am I doing it? And I will literally call my husband and be like, should I do this? And he'd be like, why would you do that? And I'm like, yeah, why would I do that? <laughs> he keeps me from like wasting my time and my energy doing things that I don't need to do. So, and I've learned from him. In fact, probably he, he wishes I hadn't learned this lesson so well, because sometimes now he asks me to do something and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm just, you know, like two years ago, I would have done that because I would have just automatically met your expectation. But now I've learned to question more. And I'm thinking, why would I? Yeah, yeah, I don't really care about that. So if you want that done, you do it. But I'm not going to do it. Um, but I learned that from him, um, from learning that you can you sh- you can question before you decide, decide to meet an expectation. Do you find that he's rigid? That's something that uh, my husband's pretty rigid himself, so it doesn't bother him. But for a lot of people, that's something they don't like about upholders. It's like they want to set a schedule for the weekend and like, let's do everything the way we plan. Does that, does that bother you? Yeah. I mean, he's, especially with his self, he's incredibly self-disciplined. Like he's a runner. So, uh, you know, he literally could have pneumonia and it could be pouring rain. And if he yeah. hasn't hit his 40 miles a week, he's going to go out and run three miles. And I'm like, you know, this- you don't have to. Like, there's literally no law. That's it. <laughs> but also, do you ever find that it, he, it seems cold? Because to an upholder, it's like meeting those expectations seems so important. They're going to do it. Like, that's what feels right to them. But you're like, but we have company in town this weekend. Like, you can't go for your 12-mile run. And he's like, I'm sorry, like. Yes, I do. You yeah, know what I mean, he, it can yes. seem cold because they're just like, well, I've got to do what I've got to do. Yes. Um, even if it's inconvenient for someone else. Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. It's an adjustment. You know, it's why we've been married 25 years. So I've learned that. But it was your book was very <laughs> insightful. Like, I can't tell you how many vacations we planned around his run. We had house guests yep. yesterday, 11 miles. You know, I mean, that's you nailed it. <laughs> So, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that literally happened. Oh, that's funny. I just yeah. made that up. No. Like, a, uh, okay, there you go. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. And then go. he's asleep on the couch by like eight. And I'm like, well, now I'm entertaining the house guests because you're asleep. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I have a whole thing about getting sleep too. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that, that's, there you go. I mean, but it's nice to have a, a, a spouse who like meets expectations. So there's advantages to it. Yes. But there's definitely drawbacks yes. as well. Yes. That's what I would say. All right, okay, Gretchen, Julie. this is okay, Gretchen, this is Julie. I'm married to a questioner, and oh. here was the situation. This weekend I had him take uh take your quiz. Okay, it was torture because he's a questioner and he, yeah. he you know, he's a where is this gonna go and who's gonna yep. use this? And I don't want to give yes. this data to anyone, and what's the yes. underlying premise of yes. this? And yes. I was just as the obliger, I was like, Will you please just take <laughs> the quiz yes. i need for you to do this my sisters are gonna want to know I, well i'm not gonna get cheat you know i i mean it was to- it was torture it was just did you intend that for uh, couples uh, well i i mean Working i def- together on this that this would be one of the likely outcomes when you yeah. have a questioner and an obliger trying 
and the obliger is trying to make the questioner take the uh, take the quiz. It's definitely something that questioners will often resist the quiz, or they're like, I don't want to waste my time taking this quiz. It's not right. efficient. Right. Or I question the validity of a framework that purports to divide all of humanity into four yes, categories. That's exactly. Not I heard all of this. What is Where this is research? This? Like, yeah. why doesn't she have a? Is there an? Is there a lab at Stanford with people eating, you know, marshmallows that is behind this? <laughs> if not, I don't understand it. No, I've heard that. I've heard that from many questioners. Yes, yes, oh, yes, indeed. And then, then I'm like, your very your skepticism about the about the about the framework like puts you into a category. Like you think that you're like having these thoughts. I'm like, yes. And there's a category of people who are having exactly the same reaction, making exactly the same objections, and that's what puts you in that category. Because the other people aren't. Like, and that's the thing about questioners. They think every they're like everybody should be a questioner, or aren't yeah. they a questioner? I'm like, they're not. Haven't you noticed? They aren't. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, so you know, I think that's interesting. Oh, go ahead, Joel. I was just going to say, I feel like you know we've been married a long time, so it's there's sort of like guardrails for each of us that in some ways my tendencies, you know, are a comp good complement to his tendencies. He pushes me out of, you know, that, you know, he put, I, he's more of a risk taker than I am. So I think it, we balance it, but then I beg and plead him to just stay in the lane. Don't. <laughs> are there, do you ever feel like there are things that you ask him to do and he just won't do them or he'll be like, oh, I'll do that later. And then he just never will do it because he, like, it's sort of like you say something like we need to clean out the basement. You know, will you tackle that? And he's like, well, why would we clean out the basement? We never use it. And you're like, well, I just like let's get it cleaned out. And he's yeah. just like, well, why would we? And so he just won't go. I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes with obligers, they're like they 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 are frustrated with the questioner because they're like, can't I'm asking you to do something. If you asked me to do something, I would do it. And so I'm sort of hurt or frustrated by the fact that you're constantly just being like, well, why would I do that? It sort of looks like it can kind of look like a jerk, but really they mean like, why would we clean out the basement if we never use it? Like, that right. just, why would you? Right. And you're just like, oh, I can't stand having the basement like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's Julie. It's a good thing you don't have a basement in Texas. I know. There you go. There you go. Okay, attic, yeah, backyard, car. Why would we clean out the car? It just gets messy again. Yeah. Are there two tendencies that absolutely should not mate and marry? Like, <laughs> um, well, what the the most the opposite of that the one that's most common like the pattern that is most is the most common to see is if there's someone who's a rebel, they're most often paired with somebody who's an obliger. Um, either in work, like at a founding team or in, um, or in marriage, uh, in romance rebels are almost not inevitably, but that, but by far, that's the dominant pattern. Um, and you know, the tendencies are just one aspect of your natures and there's so many things that go into people pairing up well. So how considerate of you are other people's feelings? What are your values? How intellectual are you? How curious are you? How neurotic are you? How introverted or extroverted are you? Like all these things make people you know, more or less likely to hook up successfully, but a combination that does tend to be tough, I would say is the toughest is upholder rebel because they just, they're, you know, they, they're exactly opposites of each other. They're kind of extreme personality types and they just have very different values. Like as a rebel spontaneity uh, and you know, um, Liz, is this a value for mm -hmm. you? Like, I would love to just get up on Saturday and see, like, let's just let the day play out. Let's just play it by ear. Mm -hmm. To me, I can't even conceive of that. There is no value in spontaneity. <laughs> to me. You know, and that's like, over time that's like drives you crazy. Or like one person's like, you know, 
I need you to do this by the, you know, within the next six months. And I expect that to get done. And the other person's like, well, I'm, you know, I'll do it when yeah. I, you know, when I feel like doing it. It's, they're just very, they just have very different ways of seeing the world. And that, and that can be tough to manage. Okay, Gretchen. So we're going to have to start to wrap now, but we have to, we can't leave you without asking about your relationship with your sister, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Kraft. One of the many reasons we love your podcast, Happier, is that your co-host is your sister. So how does that work? What, what type we know that you are an upholder. What is Elizabeth? So Elizabeth is an obliger. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she's sort of a good stand in because that's the biggest tendency. So a lot of people identify, like even in emails and stuff, people will say like, oh, I'm like Elizabeth. (laughs) Um, uh, does that make you crazy? Does that? No, 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 no. I love it. Often people also will like identify themselves by their tendency, which I love when people are like, oh, just to let you know, you know, I'm a this. Um, oh, we uh, have people who identify themselves by which sister they are. So I'm sure is, they do. That's why Leanne responded that way. It's so annoying, Gretchen. Right. Oh, you find it annoying? Why do you find it annoying? Well, no, it's, I don't mean annoying, but sometimes when it's like everybody likes one sister. Oh, and, oh yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, you've got you've got a lot bigger, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. It's like, it's let's not keep big. a running. Let's keep a running count. Who's the most identifiable sister? Um, uh, but you know, it's great to have uh, an obliger because I do know that she will feel a lot of pressure to come through. Because you know, when you're doing something like this, there's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of. Um, but one of the things that's good about being a sister, and maybe you guys feel this too, is like. Sometimes with obligers, they don't always say like expectations are, are too heavy or expectations unreasonable. Like maybe they wouldn't say something like, uh, don't send me work emails over the weekend because I don't want to be doing my email over the weekend. As an upholder, I'm like, I want to send an email just to get it off my plate. Deal with it or don't deal with it as you like, but that's up to you. But as an obliger, an obliger might feel like, oh, I got this email. I have to answer it. But because it's my sister, she'll just be like, yeah, that doesn't work for me. Or like, oh, we're going out to brunch. I can't talk to you now. Like she doesn't. <laughs> I think she feels more willing to push back because it's just me, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, like us, you and Elizabeth, you've chosen very different lives. You have different careers. So w- have you learned new things about her just doing the podcast together? Oh, yes. I mean, isn't it interesting to have this whole other insight? And the thing that's funny is Elizabeth has another podcast, Happier in Hollywood, that she does with her writing partner. And when I listen to that, I see a whole different side of her, too. Like, it's like being able to watch her when I'm not in the room, which is a yeah. whole interesting thing. Um, but yeah, just like um, I, I certainly feel like I, I, we draw on the fact that we have that we know each other so well. But it's definitely having a podcast. Part of it is like what we talk about, which is our lives, and, and so I get more insight. But then also just working with, you know, working with a family member is different from relating to them as a sister. I'm sure you guys find this too. It's like oh, you yeah. see a different aspect of someone's personality. Um, even in like the emails they send or, you know, like, or, or how they would respond to something or, or it just their work pace. Um, it's fascinating, right? It's such a, a new way of, of, of seeing a person who's, you feel like is so important in your life, but then you see all these new sides to them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've always said it's the one way you learn that your siblings aren't still 13 years old. Right, yes, you know? exactly. And so you don't get the good part is you're not frozen in those teenage years when you last lived together. So that's, also, you that, guys you know, have been doing it for so long. That's interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've had your experience like pre pre satellite sisters and post satellite sisters, which is, yeah. you know, it's considerable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, one last piece of advice we want from you, then we got to wrap because I know you got to go. Okay, it's uh, two days before Thanksgiving. Mm. Any any particular piece of advice for people at a Thanksgiving table if they're like across, they're a rebel, they're across the table from the upholder or, or they're... <laughs> no, the they're upholder's just... in the kitchen, Liz. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what, how, how what, can we all just get along better at yeah, Thanksgiving? Absolutely, 100%. The thing, I think the most helpful thing to remember is don't take things personally. Like if a questioner is being like, well, why did you decide to make this move? Why does that make sense? Didn't, you know, or like, I thought, you know, didn't this make, and you, and you feel like, why are they attacking my judgment? Why are they questioning my decisions? Like, I feel like I'm under, you know, why am I being getting the third degree? They're like this with everybody. You don't have to take it personally. Questioners question like that. They just, that's just the way the questioners are. An obliger, make sure that obligers don't get exploited. Like, don't make, if they're offering to do too much or help too much, <laughs> say no. You've got to sit down. You did X, Y, Z. Now I'm going to do this. Now it's my turn or now it's somebody else's turn because you don't want them to get into that place of deep resentment and burnout that sometimes happens if other people take advantage of their obliging nature, which we all do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the rebel, don't tell them what to do. Give them choices. Give them flexibility. <laughs> say, hey. Don't give them a food assignment. Yeah. Say, hey, bring dessert. You know, knock us out. What? What? I don't know. Surprise us. Like, if you're like, you've got to bring the pumpkin pie with the whipped cream. It's like, no, they don't want to do that. They don't want to mm-hmm. be told what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the upholders, upholders are, you know, um, if they are like, I'm sorry, we have to eat at 5 p.m. because... I have to go, I have to do my intermittent fasting. And so I have to have my last (laughs) bite at 6 p.m. It's like, try to cut them some slack. They're lovable too, the upholders, even if they do seem a little bit, maybe a little bit rigid and inflexible. Like, we've always done it this way. Like, can't we do it this way again? And you're like, well. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gretchen Rubin, for getting us ready for the Thanksgiving table. So we can all just get along. Gretchen's book is The Four Tendencies, The Indispensable Personality Profiles That Reveal How to Make Your Life Better and Other People's Lives Better, too. And also listen to her podcast, Happier. Happy Thanksgiving, Gretchen. Thanks a lot for coming on. Oh, it's so much fun to talk to the sisters. Thanks. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving, Gretchen. We're back. This is Julie, you know, and that was great talking to Gretchen Rubin. I loved her advice for Thanksgiving about keeping the peace, about having harmony, having a happy holiday. Well, I, I this I'm the, what the information I'm bringing you now is sort of 
counter to that because I don't know if you <laughs> saw this. Um, Sorry, Gretchen. <laughs> yeah, so Gretchen, so much for the four tendencies. Really, what we really uh, we really want to get to is good-natured quarreling. Uh, according to Adam Grant, who wrote a big piece for the New York Times about entitled "Kids, Would You Please Start Fighting." Did you oh, see this? No. One of Satellite Sister listeners, Christina, brought this to my attention, and she said, you know, we really, you should really talk about this on Satellite Sisters. And Adam Grant's point of view is that creativity come, doesn't come from agreement. It comes from good-natured quarreling, and that it's really kind of time for us to teach our children that, and that now there's such an emphasis, you know, kids are never exposed to disagreement, okay, that, you know, you know this, Leon. I don't know, or Liz, you know parents that never quarrel in front of their kids, like they go in a closet if they have to have an argument so that the kids don't hear it, have you ever seen a couple do that? <laughs> I have never witnessed that. Did you guys no. ever do that? Well, no, not in a closet, I, but yeah, I mean. You try to like, you know, take your argument somewhere else. Yeah. That, yeah. That, or that you never let the kids argue. If they start fighting, you know, you immediately kind of break it up, problem solve, you know. Now they don't have a timeout corner. I don't know if you know that. They have a, a thinking chair. Have you heard this? No. This is the new no. thing. <laughs> right. Like if a kid is, if they're fighting, they're not put in the timeout corner. They're just they're put in the thinking chair so they can think about their behavior. Okay. <laughs> okay. But according to Adam Grant, you need to you need to learn the value of disagreement, and he gives examples of siblings that you know that really fought a lot, like Wilbur and or- Orville Wright, that they were trying to build that airplane together, but they had very different views about the design of the propellers, which seemed pretty critical to getting that plane off, <laughs> off uh, and flying. And they argued about it bitterly, but eventually, be- through all their arguing, they came out with a better design. And so, because... You know, and by having this ability to disagree and, you know, they gave the example of Steve Jobs and and his partner Wozniak, right, that they used to fight all the time about the design for the first Apple computer Uh, and that you don't want to get into groupthink because that isn't always the best thing. Um, So but it made when I read this article, and of course, it made me think of our childhood sisters. Now, Leanne, you were the youngest, so you may have been shielded from some of the stuff that was going on. But, you know, if if fighting or quarreling was going to raise your level of creativity, I suspect that the Dolan kids would have been given some creative genius award because <laughs> right? like some MacArthur genius award for creativity, because there was no limits for how much we fought right about anything yes. about where you sat in the car, where you sat at the dinner table, what the expression on your face. There was, there was no subject too trivial or too big not to quarrel or fight about. Right, Liz? But I guess what we did, we did what the married couples you were talking about did. We, we tried not to have this happen in front of our parents, you know, because they didn't really stand for too much of this. And, you know, our mother is famous for just uh, for saying, well, get you children, just get along. And, uh, but it was left to our own devices. Um, yeah, it was full-time fighting, I would say. You know, often, you know, the older kids versus the little kids or the boys versus the girls. It was tribal, 
Um, yes. <laughs> we had some we had some various tribes. Uh, Liz, like you and I didn't do a lot of, uh, you know, hand-to-hand combat uh, no. per se. And Leanne, I don't feel like, I felt like you were sort of protected from some of the scrum. Well, but, no, Brendan and I used to fight. Okay. So okay, we were, you know, yeah, we didn't fight with you all because you were too old, but Brendan and I fought a lot, like physically. Like yeah. we, <laughs> we, we, yeah, it was a lot of fighting. Yeah. And see how creative you are, Leanne? It's really paid off. Well, I do believe in this idea that conflict and creativity go hand in hand. You can't really get to the best idea if you're not looking to offend someone or if you're not willing to take a stand or iterate a point of view. Like I, I I can remember being in meetings with satellite sisters. It was like, oh no, we don't want to, we don't want to fight. No, we do want to fight. This is how we're going to make it better. You know, this is how Mm. we're going to break through and really produce the best show we can, we can do. And, you know, I think a lot of creative environments also have conflict. I, I, I think that's a healthy, good thing. Yeah, personally. I, I mean, guess what... there is a healthy way to express that conflict, though. I mean, I've been in plenty of work environments where the conflict is not healthy and not productive just because it's more ego driven and there's a lot of anger around it. It's not actually trying to get to the best possible solution. It's just people kind of putting themselves forward in a way. So that's not constructive. No. Right. What Adam Grant says is you need to develop the skill of how to get hot on a topic without getting mad and that a good argument is not a personal argument. Just like what Gretchen said, don't take it personally. It's about work, right? That's what she said about Thanksgiving. And I I think that's true about trying to find a creative solution. Don't take it personally. By by having this conflict, it creates what psychologists call a wobble, you know, that things aren't so, you know, perfect and calm and smooth. And, you know, that when you have these disagreements, it creates a wobble, it creates uncertainty, and that having kids overcome these uncertainties, you know, and learn to deal with that to make them more flexible, you know, can lead to great, greater creativity. So I, I mean, obviously, the key is getting to that good natured quarreling to getting to, you know, a good argument, but not a personal argument. That seems hard. But if you practice and do a lot of fighting, I think you can get there. (laughs) One other thing I wanted to mention coming up in the holiday season, something that we've never done before, is we posted it on our Facebook page, calling it the Satellite Sisters Movie Screening. And here's the deal. Our longtime Satellite Sister, Catherine Drew, is a producer of a new documentary called Bombshell, The Hedy Lamar Story. And did you know that Hedy, who was also known as the world's most beautiful woman, she invented and patented something called frequency hopping, which da 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 all these years later, that's become known as Wi-Fi. So it's just a fascinating story about this beautiful movie star who never got credit for the scientific work that she did. So it's going to be playing here at the Lemley New Art in West Los Angeles um, for a few days. And we've just decided we're all going to go to the 310 showing on December 10th. The info is on the Facebook page, as I said. And then afterwards, we are repairing for a casual Satellite Sisters meetup at a restaurant bar called Plan Check, which is just a few blocks away. So read up online. Join us if you can. It's a buy your own tickets and buy your own drinks operation, as it always is. And we have all of the links for all of the information, how you can join us to come see the movie with us, or you can watch for it in your local town called Bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story. Also, you know, on the Facebook group, if you haven't joined 
mind, now may be the week because we want to see it, don't we? We want to see mm-hmm. your turkeys. We want to see your stuffing. We want to see your pies. We want to see your grandchildren. We want to see your family and friends. We and that see- American chop suey, if anyone is making that. <laughs> We want right, to see Lincoln? it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's post some Thanksgiving pictures at uh, the Satellite Sisters page. Go ahead. Nothing is too trivial to share. I mean, didn't you love the picture we got a couple weeks ago, Julie, of just all the chocolate turkeys? The flock I of love tur- that. turkeys. I know. I know. <laughs> that, that really just sort of got me in the mood for Thanksgiving. And, That's of course, right. we want to see all the behind the, uh, the scenes at the Macy's Day Parade Derek, we're just saying that. Just put those pictures up there. We love your Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade of pictures you always post. All right. Many thanks to Gretchen Rubin for being on the show today. You can check out her podcast, Happier, and her sister's podcast, Happier in Hollywood. Really fun, complimentary podcast to Satellite Sisters. All right, sisters, have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.